welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. <sighs> Tonight! <laughs> no, no, no. Deep healing breath. Just let it go. Yeah. All right. Inhale. All right. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Okay. <laughs> so, so tonight we're going to be talking with Riley about um, preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> we're going right. to be talking about to Riley about um, his recent experiences uh, with having to evacuate his animals during uh, the fires that happened in California. I guess it was yeah. about a month ago, maybe, I think. I, I think I it think. feels longer, but it like that was such an ordeal. And Riley was uh, keeping us all up to date on the chat. And he was talking to you and me off the chat and stuff like that. And it was insane. And uh, I was I suggested that we should do a show about this because we – everybody wants to think that they're perf- – like, no one ever thinks that far ahead with their collection. You know, you're, you're a uh, – <laughs> You're a doomsday prep person if you have a generator for your reptile room. But, you know, this is – Riley had to leave everything. So it was having to go to a place that I never even thought about before. And I I, I bet you not many keepers have either. No. No, I haven't. No, not that. <laughs> I mean, I have, a, I have a generator, and uh, I had a generator because I lost power once when I had the incubator full of eggs for a day. And uh, luckily I have a bunch of server battery packs that would run like a server bank that run my incubator. But then all my other guys were kind of like left out in the cold a little bit, but it was only like a a day, but that got me thinking. So I do have a generator, but now with Riley saying, it's like, that's got me thinking now too, do I need like an escape plan or something like that? <clears throat> yeah, it's it's like I don't know, man. It's it's kind of a thing mm. that I don't think that most people think about, but uh definitely no. if you're caught off guard, um there could be trouble. Yeah. You know? I mean, so even just having a bunch of big plastic bins around knowing that you can throw everybody in there. I mean, you imagine like during a fire evacuation, you got to run to Walmart and grab a bunch of tubs so you can pack up all the snakes at home and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, Everybody's buying, everybody's buying water and, uh, you know, <laughs> you're buying tubs. I have to get these six-quart tubs out. Yeah, it's like, yeah, all right. So, What's with yeah. the tubs? <laughs> I have to save my snake collection. Man dies and car was full of snakes. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. how that would work. So, yeah. In one second, we're going to have Casey come on, and he's going to talk about uh, they got the auction going uh, for cool. the Southeast Carpet Fest. And then after that, we're going to, we're going to get into uh, talking with Riley and and get that going. But um, I just want to say, Owen, I thought the video from your place was pretty awesome. I don't know. So did I. I I thought it was pretty cool, man. Yeah, we are in the, It's good to see you and Matt, (laughs) you know? Yeah, Um, no, it was great. I mean, it was funny because we're over there and it was you, Matt Minitola, Buddy Buscemi came down to drop off some stuff with Matt, and then uh, Andrew came by too. So we're all at one point in the snake room, and I'm like, all right. So it was cool seeing all that stuff, and I, I know there were some things that 
uh, I had gotten that you and Matt hadn't seen or uh, it's yeah. been a while since you guys been up here. So some of those like ugly yearlings have now become, you know, these really cool animals. So yeah, it was, uh, it was cool having you guys down here and checking out all this stuff. So, and uh, I do, I do, I did like part one of the video uh, with all, with all the carpet stuff. And then uh, I'm kind of excited to see the second part because of what's, what animals like I didn't see in the first video. So, you yeah, know. it was, uh, <clears throat> so when I did the video, mm. I, um, I know you're a star Wars geek and I was like, how can I, I am? And I saw, <laughs> I saw the trailer thing at the beginning and I was like, huh, how can I spin this? <laughs> and it goes so fast. I was trying to get it to slow down, but it like just speeds <laughs> up. I was like, I, 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 the problem is I was laughing too hard. Exactly. I, I was laughing too hard. I had to rewatch it a few times so I could actually read the crawl. So, you yeah. know, but yeah. So that's why probably your like watch ticker was going up there for a little bit, but yeah, um, <laughs> I liked it. Um, I got uh, a lot of people were complimenting the olive. A lot of people were, you know, wanting to drag me outside and then like tack me to a tree, but whatever. Um, it was, uh, it was very cool. Um, uh, the water Python thing was funny <laughs> and that was just, uh, I enjoyed that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the look in your face when she came at the camera was kind of priceless, but you know, we'll yeah. Go that in, yeah, but no, it was a, it was a good time. And like I said, I'm excited for the second video maybe we'll wait a little bit for everything to calm down and then we'll yeah. throw that out there yeah <laughs> jesus that's <laughs> yeah, a rough route um yeah i know i uh <laughs> uh so tonight yeah i had to rush around man it's it's getting mm. crazy here for me so um especially because of my because of work but um yeah i had to rush and uh, well i didn't have to rush like it wasn't like an emergency but I uh, had to rush home to get back to the vet. Right. And um, when I got down, uh, Dr. Dennis, um, who's like the local vet, it was funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Zook, Zook. Yeah, I think I said that right. Zook. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. so, yeah. Ken. Yeah. 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 Um, so he was there too. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it is the season for respiratory infection. So. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I had I had my dog and I had my snake. Oh, so uh, you know it's one of those things, and I don't know. I guess I'm just so on edge because of uh, you know the whole Nido thing and everything. Um, so I had my tiger IJ was in breeding with um, uh, the one uh, M Pen GQ girl, and everything right. was going good, and then. I went to separate them because I didn't see a whole lot of action between them anymore. So I went to separate them and I went mm-hmm. to separate them. I heard the, uh, you know, the, click. the pop or the click okay. or whatever you want to yeah. say. I was like, ah, I don't know. It, you know, was it the boy so was, or the girl? It was, it was the boy. Um, okay. so I pulled him out and I was like, uh, you know, I'm going to uh, maybe, maybe he's just, you know, stressed for breeding season, whatever. Yeah. Uh, pulled them out. Um, immediately, I called the vet because I figured, okay, now I'm finally at a spot where, you know, I'm gonna start. You know, I'll I'll go take them to the vet and do the Nido test. And mm-hmm. I personally wanted to see a vet do it before I right. would attempt to do it myself because I don't want, you know, I want it to be accurate, you know. Right. So uh, so we went <clears throat> and um, 
Now I was talking to him for a while, and the first thing he told me is that it's been around forever. Yeah, that's the second, we, we, yeah. The second, yeah, we, which we knew. Yeah. The second thing that he told me was that, um, you know, he's like, you know, do you test? Do you not test? He, you know, he said, if I tested for viruses, you know, you're going to find a lot of things. It just so happens that now everybody's focused on I, this because apparently everybody's going and asking them, you know, everybody with a now. snake. Yeah, probably. Which is good. I mean, it's, yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. I mean, asking and testing is definitely how right. we should be dealing with it. So, yeah. So, you know, he went, he checked it out. Of course, now the, the snake seems fine, but of course. still, you know, um, <laughs> All I did was just so people know, I mean, this is the thing that usually if you catch it at the very beginning, even if it was a thing, who knows? It could just be my paranoia, you know? It could um, just be a boy that got a little cold because him and the girl were sharing the hot spot. I mean, it, yeah. knock on wood, he could be fine in a week. But you're taking the precaution, which is good. That's how everyone yeah. should go. Yeah. So I, I went, I took him um, – you know, and he, he told me he didn't want to go and uh, administer just uh, anything yet. So he took a culture and then, you know, okay. he also took took the test for NIDO to see what happened. So I should know to see. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, I don't know if I would take if I he's telling me that I don't know if you would take the test. And I said, you know what? I, I just kind of want peace of mind for myself. I'm exactly. here. Show me what you, you I might as well just get it, you know, throw it in there. If we're here, test for it, and you will yeah, go from there. Not? Something to know. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, it's, you know. So that's where I'm at. Um, yeah. Snake's fine. Um, you know, again, he gave him the once over. Everything was good. Um, okay. Actually got him to take uh, fecals, too, because the snake shit on him. So I figured, <laughs> the shit on him. All right, whatever. He shit right on the table. So it's like, <sighs> all right, let's give it a whirl. So, uh, so yeah. Um but uh, he took he took it and then he you know he, he looked at the slide and uh, he said everything was was good there was no internal parasites which I no, didn't no, think there no would worms, be no, but, exactly you know, but you know you never know you never it's, it's you know my thing is my thing is unless like I see the snake shit crawling I'm going to assume they're not in there unless something right. tells me to look for otherwise but I I, I don't know there it right. really could be um, I was probably actually going to get uh, fecal done on the uh, red tail rat snakes because I, you know, they are farm bread. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, it just a peace of mind for those guys. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was my evening and now here we are. So sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, let's get Casey on let's here. Do this now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to tell us about the auction and then uh, we'll get Riley on in like uh, cool. uh, five, 10 minutes. So here we go. Casey, hey guys. you're live. How you doing? Yeah, pretty good. How you guys doing? Yeah, we're all right. Awesome. So how yeah. was the Southern Southeast carpet fest? Are you guys like at your we are maximum level great. of, <laughs> Perfect. The maximum we are level getting of new excitement. stuff coming in all the time. Well, like yeah, at least two or three things a day. The a ton in the auction. It was that was a lot of cool stuff. I was bidding on a baby rack until I my cheap Owen reared his head and you know. But that was <laughs> that's awesome stuff you guys have on there. Yeah, that's probably the most popular thing we got up there right now. Um, yeah, I mean it's really really doing 
amazing. I was uh, totaling up how much uh, money we've made in bids just so far, uh-huh. and it is uh, $3,657 in bids. Holy crap. Yeah, awesome. and we've got another wave of stuff coming in, like tonight or tomorrow, and that's probably my favorite stuff that's coming in. All right, can you guys plan the Northeast Carpet Fest, and then we can just host it? Like, <laughs> no. Can you, can you just, no. <laughs> that, you said no too quickly. We're going to have no. to talk later. No, no. All right. All right. No love. Casey's on board. Yeah. No love. No love. No. No. None. None. Jesus. All right. But, no, that's awesome that you guys are doing so well with this. So are you guys mm-hmm. doing the auction is online, so people yes. can go over there and post bids. It's $5 increments. Um, are you guys doing a live ending of the auction at Carpet Fest, or is it going to be whatever's posted on those things goes? Um, we haven't decided that so far. Okay. I wouldn't be opposed to the idea of doing a live video. I just don't know who would, uh, post it. Personally, I think it'd be a little easier for us to, uh, just finish it up online and then amounts who won, you know, in a later post. But I actually didn't really think about it much. Well, but it's, I, it's, I think doing it online is uh, probably the seems, way we're going to end up doing it. Yeah, I mean, like, the online thing seems to be a way to get people involved who are unable to make it to Carpet Fest. So, you mm-hmm. know, uh, definitely raise a little bit more money for U.S. Arc, even though you guys are already throwing down this gauntlet for all this year's Carpet Fest <laughs> to uh, step up their game. And that's thanks yeah, for that. Yeah, live. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Man, a live auction with uh, 51 items, some of which are really, uh, really rare stuff we're getting up. That's uh, We'd end up having, like, these uh, Cyclora iguanas coming up for, like, five bucks if we did that. Be yeah, terrifying. Did, <laughs> did, like, that, 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 was that just added today, the Cyclora That was added iguana? today. And that, to me, is Jeez. the coolest thing we've gotten so far. So are you all like, over I'm trying those? to figure out <laughs> – I, I need to figure out if I can, like, turn a basement in my – or a bathroom in my house into a lizard room to do that, and I don't think that's a possibility. But, man, I'd love to have those <laughs> things if I had the space. <laughs> that's so cool. And he's done uh, yeah, two like, pairs of big ones, big uh, uh, wanted species. Jesus. That's uh, – so, I mean – how much does a remodel for your bathroom really cost? I mean, you know, in my opinion, <laughs> I, I, I think you should jump on this only because I, you know, I don't want them. So yeah. Yeah. I'm scared. If I put down a really big opening bid, like I've been doing for a couple of these things, uh, <laughs> nobody else is going to, we really need lizard people to look at this stuff. Cause, uh, <laughs> I want them, but I don't want them at the same time. That's terrifying. Right. Having to keep a four foot iguana. <laughs> So that's awesome. You guys are doing a fantastic job, and I know this is like your first, uh, the first go run with this thing. So I mean, mm-hmm. are you guys kind of already making plans for what you might do next year? Or are you trying to get past this year's, and then we'll worry about that later? Uh, I think we're just trying to get past that right now. I'm kind of planning on doing a little bit of a Facebook vacation after this, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, so far. Uh... So far, I think we've got, we're going to have a bunch of stuff that's going to carry over to the next year, and hopefully we'll be able to awesome. streamline it so there's more people that can help us out. But um, mm. would you guys like for me to go down the list of uh, stuff we've got? I know Ian did it a little bit last year, our last uh, episode. Or do you want me to yeah. just kind of highlight the, the cool stuff? No, go well, for it. Do the, do the list if you can, and then I know because I know it changed from last week to this week. So, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Like I said, we've got 51 items right now. <laughs> 
Okay, uh, Justin Julander has done uh, two of his GTP books he did with uh, Terry Phillips, which I think you guys mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Howard Redding has done a $200 voucher. Eric Burke did a $200 voucher. Uh, Owen McIntyre did a $200 voucher, which, uh, by the way, guys, I looked at your uh, bids and your neck and neck so far. If you can, uh... Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a clear title on 120, so if you can get somebody to change that, we'd really appreciate it, and uh, you can get bragging rights. Damn it! <laughs> That's uh, that no that that is dangerous because I'll buy my own voucher. All right, that don't that is that is a Please thing do. that can happen. So, uh, Trace Harden uh, donated um, male uh, Morelia breadlie. Nick mm-hmm. Mutton has done a Xanthic uh, coastal jag, which is pretty cool. Um, S awesome. and J Reptiles has done a two hundred dollar voucher. Um, Pia Bertolini has done a uh, crop print and tickets to the St. Augustine Reptile Park. With, uh, Reptilinks did some t-shirts and hats. Um, Herptastic did a $100 voucher for any cage or rack. Uh, Meisterek did a $25 voucher towards any uh, rodent. Uh, Bill Stiegel has done a $500 voucher. Uh, Triple B has done a $300 voucher. Ralph Polinski has done a $500 voucher. Uh, Michael Pinnell has done a pair of Brisbane Coastals. Which uh, uh, I'm also I, yeah I'm with you uh, there. <laughs> that was that was like I'm like I'm gonna bid on that. No, never mind. It's like that was like. <laughs> did you open that one, Casey? With your I, I did. High, yeah, that was. I'm like, hey, damn it, Casey. So all right, <laughs> so, never mind. <laughs> I mean, they're just like bread lie. I could keep them exactly the same. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and they're giant coastals. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got excited for like a split second, but my dreams were dashed. Anyway. Uh, what else? What else we got going on there? Uh, Joe Swatalsi has donated a uh, captivorum bred emerald tree boa. We've actually had a oh, lot wow. of Corallus stuff here. Uh, Keith McPeak did a uh, Am- Amazon tree boa. We had another baby emerald tree boa from um, Larry Holtfrich. Um, we have two tickets to the Miami Zoo from Jim Pearson. Reptile Express did a hundred dollar shipping voucher. Derek Roddy gave us a uh, Nova Guinea carpet python. Uh, Brianna Westerfeld gave us a uh, seven-inch by nine-inch sketch. Uh, Jason Brumley did us a uh, eighteen by twenty-four sketch. Uh, GTP, our Green Tree Python UK, gave us a large and extra-large T-shirt. Ari Flagel gave us one of his Bolin shirts. Uh, Ship Your Reptiles gave us a two hundred-dollar voucher in, for uh, shipping coupons. LLL, our Triple L, I don't know how to say that. Uh, they gave us yeah. a bunch of. Is that it? Yeah, they gave us a bunch of, I, that's uh, what I go by. Yeah, they gave us a bunch of uh, books and gear. Some of it's pretty, pretty interesting stuff. I kind of want to look at that uh, rattlesnake book they've given us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sea serpents gave us a uh, hatchling rack, which you were just talking about. That's probably our most mm-hmm. popular item so far. Um, Phil Goss gave us some USR gear. Port City Pythons gave us a T-shirt. Emily's geckos gave us a uh, croc painting too. Uh, Matt Manitola gave us a large Philly Herp shirt. Stephen Katz gave us a uh, $250 voucher. Austin Wart gave us a $100 voucher. Dave Palumbo gave us a $200 voucher. Uh, Cody Bartoloni gave us a two copies of the Complete Chondro. Todd Kearns gave us a uh, 2017 Het Moon Globoa. Uh, Wayne from the Daytona Show has given us a table at the Daytona Show with two vendor badges which I know somebody's going to go crazy for. 
Eric, buy that. <laughs> Please do. I'd love to meet you guys down here because you're uh, not a, coming. There's a table on the Daytona, Daytona show on this. Like, when the hell did that happen? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, Eric, buy thing. that. I'll go with you. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get down to Florida sometime. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. That's awesome. Um, Nick Bettini has given us a uh, male red blood python. Uh, Chad Gray gave us some uh, turtle prints. Eddie Appel has given us a $200 voucher. Uh, Canopy Lab Exotics uh, gave us a 2017 Amazon tree boa. So much Corrales stuff. That's exciting for some of you guys, yeah. Uh, Ty Park has given us a 1.1 2017 um, Losi Hybrid or the, uh, what was it, the Grand Canyon Blue Rock Iguanas. Wow. Those hybrids. <laughs> and uh, 1.1 um, Centosaura Beckery. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's an awesome giant iguana. <laughs> we got uh, Larry Holtfritsch has given us a female Motley Retic, a yearling. And uh, mm-hmm. Douglas Hartman has given us a custom airbrush T-shirt. He's told us he'll make uh, whoever wins, just call him up, and he'll make you anything you want as long as it's Morelia Python. And, that's uh, awesome. That's, uh, that's about it so far. I'm sure that's I've butchered awesome. somebody's names. You can email me and yell at me. I'm sorry. We, we do it all the time. <laughs> it's okay. So, But that is awesome. That's a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, and a lot of stuff and I never would have thought would be coming in, in. Yeah, it's insane. That's great. But, yeah, interesting stuff coming out here. Um, can I go over the uh, event details and stuff too? Go for yeah, it, man. Okay. Throw it out there. Yeah. The uh, the event is February 10th at Dave Palumbo's house. I think we're uh, officially starting it at it's either – I think it's 1 p.m. Um, we are doing a Friday night dinner. I'm not going to be able to make it, but um, Ian and a couple of those guys are going to be able to. So if you're uh, going to be in the Cape Coral, Florida area – uh, go ahead and shoot Ian Bissell an email and let them know you're coming, and they'll tell you uh, where all that's going on. And we really wanted to stress that it's not just Python people that can come to this. It's any reptile people, anybody that's even remotely interested in reptiles. They're, uh, they're more than welcome to come and hang out with us. But uh, the awesome. most important thing to do, you got to go to the uh, Southeast Carpet Fest 2018 page and RSVP for us so we can know uh, exactly uh, – Exactly who all is coming. And okay. if you're coming, everybody needs to bring something. That's our ticket in, whether it's chips or paper plates or something to drink. You know, we can't, we can't all buy food for catering and stuff. Yeah, right. no, that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's a little bit of a thing. Um, do they have to contact you with uh, what, what they're bringing, or is it kind of just up to them, bring whatever you feel you should? Um, yeah, you can contact me or Ian Bissell. And we'll be able okay. to get a list of who's got what. You know, we can't have everybody bringing, uh, you know, a plate of brownies, and then we don't have anything to drink at all. <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot of brownies. <laughs> all right. Very cool. So, and it is the tenth. Right? It is the tenth of February. Okay, so you guys are, you guys are coming up away. quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Sounds like uh, sounds like you guys uh, might be the highest uh, highest grossing carpet fest uh, <laughs> to date. <laughs> yeah, so we're far. Trying. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. All right. Man, I don't know. It's like, uh, so my boss, I was telling Ian, you know, like, mm-hmm. because of my job at the current moment, um, I uh, don't know if what I'm going to be working or what I'm not going to be working, but my boss just sent me a text message a little while earlier, and he was like, I need you to take off for a few days and relax. <laughs> oh, because why don't I because, have a boss like that? Jesus. Because I, I don't need you getting stressed out in about because uh, in about a month from now shit's gonna hit the fan for me. So uh, okay, he's like, I need you, uh, you know, on point. So I'm like, oh well, you know, they're kind of doing this uh, carpet fest, and um, so th- so there's hope. <laughs> there is hope. So Look at I that. I mean, come, come on down. On. Yeah, yeah. I All hope right, I can. Then. So yeah, we'd love to have you. Yeah, it would be a blast. So uh, I don't know. I'll know tomorrow. <laughs> don't don't. Okay, uh, <laughs> let me or Ian know then. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if you go can, uh, call up Nick Mutton and uh, tell him to get down here too. I thought he was going. No. Um, I don't know. I haven't really heard back from him. But uh, that's a. Uh, that's, you've got to cross an entire continent to get from Washington to Florida. So I'd understand if he was like, I'll come next year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eric just has to go down. Yeah. yeah. I could probably drive down. <laughs> yeah. Man, so. I live in Georgia. I'm not driving down. That's a long way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Eric's boss told him to get lost for a couple of days. So he's got to take a couple of days. So, yeah, he's going to yeah. go the long way around. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Perfect. But yeah, man, sounds like uh sounds like it's gonna be an awesome time. So uh I would definitely tell people if you are on the fence about it that uh you should definitely head down because sounds like uh there's gonna be some awesome people there. It's at uh it's gonna be nice weather, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But, I think it's been yeah. in the seventies uh for the past couple weeks. Son of a bitch. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you northern it's guys, snowed, uh, it's snowed here today. Okay, that's annoying. <laughs> so, uh, oh, so, God damn it! So. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. All right. Anything else you want to hit on, or you throw out there, Casey? Uh, no, I think that's about it. Okay. Oh, cool. All right, man. We uh, we look forward to hearing back from the uh, the post carpet fest and the. The during Carpet Fest, if you guys want to take, you know, obviously take a ton of uh, video, pictures, all that kind of fun stuff, and, you know, let us know how it goes. And uh, if Eric is there, uh, take a ton of pictures and videos again with Eric. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Get your picture taken with a hobbit. That's yeah, a, a, Dude, I mean you're probably about as tall as I am, Eric. We we can make so much money <laughs> if you just let me print the sign. You're like, yeah. you know, five dollars a picture with a Hobbit. I mean, <laughs> god damn it. <sighs> oh man. So, all right. Well, I <laughs> I don't know what else to say after that. Five dollars for uh, right, that's good enough. Yeah, it's good. We'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for coming on and uh, giving us the scoop and uh, all that fun stuff, Casey. And good luck with the. Planning and try not to lose your head too much. Yeah, it's uh, it's going well though. I'm I'm happy with it. Good. I think we've done well. Hey, you guys are doing a great job, man. You're doing a really. fantastic job. Thanks. So, well, hopefully, I'll see you I down will, there. Uh, yeah, let us know if you can. But yeah. I'll let you guys get over to Riley, and I'll uh, I'll chat with you later. Okay. All, All right. right. Thanks, Casey. 
All right. <laughs> Have a good one. Night. All righty. I'm going to have to yeah. send Andrew the uh, uh, picture, the link on that carpet fest, because I know his wife loves those kind of iguanas, those uh, blue hybrid ones. But oh, really? I feel like if I make him spend, you like, I, but I feel like, word. yeah, <laughs> I feel like the <laughs> problem is that, word. yeah, it's one of those where, you know, if, if he ends up having to buy a pair of lizards because I showed him to him, because his wife wants him, he's, he will kill me. So, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right, Riley. What's up, man? How you doing? You there? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing uh-huh. all right. We're doing good. We're doing good. good. So, uh, yeah. Um, walk, us through, walk, us, walk us through the worst experience of your life. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> just uh, let's go through all of that horror. So yeah, yeah. I was, I was hoping to never relive it again, but I guess I'll see you guys. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> so it's all right. It's okay. I think uh, I think I've gotten a handle on it now. I've accepted reality that that it happened. But uh, <laughs> no, it sucked. Yeah, <laughs> it really yeah. Did. I imagine. Um, think about the slowest days of your life where every minute feels to just tick by as slow as possible because you're busy thinking about how many miles is that fire covered while I have not been at home because I'm at work right now. Jeez. And that's, that was pretty much my day for the first couple of days of it because it started in Santa Paula and a little ways down in Ventura, which is probably like, like 30, 35 miles away or so. But the way the coastline works, the way um, a couple of our wind patterns work and at that time of year, uh, and how dry it's been without the, the rain that we normally get, it was poised to really just run along the, the whole little elbow. If you look at the coastline of Santa Barbara, our coast is actually southward um, mm-hmm. because it's on like this little elbow. And so it was just like set to just run along the coastline of this mountain range just burn everything in its path and just keep going up. And all of the uh, mountain range behind was super dry and the winds were just pushing it and it was burning at a record pace. Um, you know, I'd wake up and it had moved 22 miles closer to me one day. And I was like, Holy shit. That's less than 10 miles from my house. Now that's not comfortable anymore. Um, and at that point, the only thing I was thinking is, like, it just cleared that many miles in a day. What am I doing at work? Like, it, hmm. it could hit my my place in, you know, four to eight hours at that rate. And that was a little nerve-wracking. But they had this uh, alert system where you text this number and you send them your, your zip code. And they give you all these pretty much as up-to-date as possible updates on what's going on, um, which – they tried to do their best about, but mm. even there was some human error delays in that. And it was just, oh, it was, I already have enough anxiety as it is, but that was like really stressful just because you never know like how much it was going to change. The winds were gnarly. It was, it was, it was gusting down the mountains, um, pointing towards Santa Barbara from the north end. And then it was getting winds from the southeast blowing up to the northwest 
And so these two wind uh, patterns were literally just moving the flames along the coast and then threatening to drop it straight down onto Santa Barbara, just push it right into the ocean. And it was, it was not fun. Jesus. So how close were you in vicinity to the fire? I mean, like how, what's the closest it got to where you live? Um, I could see it from the porch on my front doorstep. Holy hell. Yeah. I, uh, here, let me, I have a photo that I took from my doorstep right here uh-huh. one day. Uh, I was walking out to work and I was like, Oh, that's fun. Um, it's like, I'm about to leave, you know, Oh, position of control over my animals with that going on from my doorstep. Now, granted, there's a little bit of, um, you know, force perspective in that. That's, you know, several miles away. Those mountains are, you know, a uh-huh. good drive away, but uh, they're right there. <laughs> and, and I uh, assume all the, 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 the cloudy, that's smoke, right? That's all from. Yes. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. This was wow. also from my doorstep later that night. This is. Uh, several miles closer. Holy hell, dude. That is freaky. Um, okay. Yeah, I didn't sleep that night. I actually set an alarm on my phone for every hour on the hour to check all the alert systems, the county update systems, um, some of the maps and things, and I was just keeping track of it because, like, it, it, I just I couldn't not. Um, pay attention to it. It was really hard to to work, and yeah, I think the people at work knew that, and so it was uh, it was very stressful. Jesus. So, like, uh, when and I, and I know you were so you're at work. Was work doing anything to prepare for the inevitability of having to evacuate there, or uh, having all their staff needing to be evacuated out? Yeah, so for those who don't know, I work at uh, the Santa Barbara Zoo, and um, a lot of us live in town, but a lot of us also commute in from south in Ventura and north up in, like, Lompoc and Buellton. So the people north were able to get into work no problem. Um, Mm -hmm. The worst that they had to deal with where they were living was just really bad air quality, and the people from Ventura were more often than not cut off from access to even get here and they had to evacuate themselves. Um, so if they were able to get into work, they could, but most people down there ended up having to evacuate here and there. The people in town, like myself, we went into work as much as possible, as was permissible with our own personal commitments, and we worked a skeleton crew. Um, we were closed for several days, uh, you know, rightfully wow. so. The public obviously wasn't going out and doing any recreational activities um, mm-hmm. when it's snowing, you know, ash flakes the size of dimes everywhere. Um, and it was pretty gross. And so, like, any animal that could be held inside was held inside. Uh, right. The reptile, the main reptile building where I'm at, I have these foam inserts that are stashed off to the side that are cut for the overhead ventilation ducting. And so I had to close up all the ventilation to the buildings, which got stuffy quickly, but, you know, it at least was clean air that we could cycle through. Jeez. And then, 
yeah, I mean, we, we had plans in place for which animals needed to be locked down, which ones we couldn't. We evacuated some animals to other areas that were, you know, opportunistic to catch up, like some of the, the vultures and condors and things. And, um, but mostly we just got everything crated up that could on this. There was one day that was really bad where the fire was just right on the other side of the freeway from the zoo. Cause the way the zoo is located, it butts up to the, the freeway. There's a little bird refuge right next to it. And then there's mm. the ocean. So it's between the freeway and the ocean. And then there's like hotels in town stuff to the left. And then the bird refuge to the right. And then on the other side of the freeway is this little sliver of residential area where I live. So I, I can literally hear the zoo from where I live currently. And then there's the mountains right behind us. Uh, and the fire was coming over those mountains. So Jeez it was about Christ. to pinch us into this like spot where we really couldn't go anywhere but north. So that sucked. Um, I think I have a little... Uh, map somewhere saved in here that shows where the, the zoo is in relation. There's so that. As, as stuff was like, as you're getting these reports, as you're getting these things, is like, is it in the back of your head that you may, I mean, obviously the zoo's talking about it. Are, are you thinking in the back of your head, I might have to get the hell out of here? Yeah. So, the the policy at the zoo is obviously make sure you and your family and your pets and animals are safe first and we'll do what we can here so that's why we prepped ahead of time so i was able to at a point where i felt that i needed to just because of the time i thought it would take to get everything collected up uh leave and they basically just said we'll figure it out later you know priority is just being safe and if you have to leave leave you know um so at at one point we had been in um, like voluntary evacuation zone for like a day or two and I was getting really nervous and I didn't really know what that meant and I knew that there was delays to the updates in the system and I was starting to just get really antsy and then I was starting to see it from my balcony and I was like, okay, this, really, this is really dumb. What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, and my girlfriend didn't really want to leave just yet. She thought I was like freaking out. And I was like, it's, it's snowing ash. You're goddamn right. I'm freaking out. <laughs> this is the time you should do this. It is, it is coming out and it is consuming town. Time to go. Oh my God. Um, and after like a few days of like her, you know, pushing me off and calming me down and sort of like, just chill, just wait. Cause it did sort of like slow down in its pace for a couple of days. Um, mm-hmm. At one point she realized like, yeah, we need to go just because it does jump down the mountain with these prospective winds that were, you know, projected to come that night. We would have been caught with our pants down, you know, like middle of the night, like you wake up to the alarms of it going, I'll look out the window and it'd be right on my doorstep, you know? <sighs> and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be sitting around waiting to decide to leave, I, you know, I kind of had a rough idea of how many, you know, how much time I needed to pack everything up. So mm-hmm. that's what I did. The first time I evacuated while I was still in a voluntary zone and I left for four days, came back for two days because things started looking good again. And then uh, all of a sudden I was at work and I'd been there for about 30 minutes 
an alarm started going off on everyone's phone from the areas. We got like four series of alarms back to back within 20 minutes. And it, it, the, the mandatory evacuation zone moved about five miles and immediately encroached on my, my location, like where my, my apartment is. And just like, all of a sudden I went from being chill to like, you got to get the hell out of here. So I just like, I dropped my radio and I was like, later. And I just took off and uh, <laughs> changed my shoes, grabbed my keys, grabbed my stuff. And I like ran out to the lot and just got in my car, went home, packed everybody up and took off. So that was uh, the second time. And then I couldn't come back to where I lived until they lifted the evacuation, um, like four and a half days later. So, yeah. All right. So, how do you prepare to move your entire collection like this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's actually a really good question. Uh, and I think the key to successfully doing that is to start in the right spot. Um, you know, I don't have a large collection. Some people do some, well, I think maybe I have like a large collection compared to people who have like, you know, two snakes and a fish or something, but, <laughs> um, you know, we'll just, we'll, okay. I, you know, we'll just go off of like any size collection, just put together a list. That's your, uh-huh. your best place to start, put together a list, just write, um, you know, everything down, the number of your animals, the, the sex ratio in certain groups, organize them by species, uh, organize them by year and size. So you can get an idea, label them as yearlings, two-year-olds, or something to give you an idea of size. So when you go back to that list, you can then determine what sort of transport container you would pack that animal up for a long-distance shipment or what have you, whether that be a snake Mm -hmm. bag or a tub. But putting together a list is a great starting point because then you can really sit and say, okay, this is the amount of materials I need to acquire now, and this is how much uh, carrying capacity I need to plan for. So... You go get pillowcases, you get all your tubs that you need, snake bags, whatever, uh, insulated packaging, and then have bigger tubs to put all that in. So if you have to, you scramble, you throw everybody in pillowcases, toss them in big tubs, and then you can easily, you know, like real-life Tetris tubs in a vehicle or something and make it just quick and easy uh, packing in and out. And then that's the way to just be as efficient as possible. Um and plan ahead of time, like, you know, see how much space you have, you know, know what vehicles you have accessible. Like I have a Subaru Outback, so I just mm-hmm. pulled the seats down. And I was like, uh, I wonder if I can fit everything here. So I did a big Tetris sort of like test with a bunch of things and everything sort of fit. And I had a pretty confident idea that it would work. So here's a photo in the chat of just everything stacked up and there's a few oh, layers okay. of it there and it actually wasn't as much as I thought it was I was able to really compact it down so it didn't impact like my rear view line of sight which was was nice for um, driving at night um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah doing that uh, helped me feel confident that like I was going to be able to one get everybody out in the best case scenario and two do it uh, comfortably and that's also mm-hmm. when I realized I need to set uh, set some like timelines for myself. So, uh, I actually wrote notes here. So having a uh, consensus or a census count, uh, 
knowing all the containers for them, knowing, uh, oh, what other supplies you need. That's a, yeah. a really good point to to go to. So um, for anybody who ships out animals regularly, you, you're you probably going to have cups and bags and heat packs and things like that. So those can all be used in a pinch. But um, I also have, like, a big box of, like, 40 or 50 heat packs and then I went and cleared out my local Kmart for their pillowcase section and I what I did was I went through my list and I figured out what animals needed which type of transport container and then I prepped those transport containers or pillowcases and put them on the rack or next to the cage or whatever okay everybody's transport was there in an easily accessible location ready to grab Jesus Um, okay Cleaning supplies, zip ties, tape, uh, scissors, extra bags, extra tubs, paper towels, disinfectants, um, everything, blankets, you name it, dude, like whatever you can bring, water dishes, jugs of water. I went and got uh, a big case of water and mm-hmm. some jugs of it to just bring with me, um, anything like medicinal stuff, SSD, uh, I don't even know, iodine, uh, whatever you can bring just in case, because you really don't know how long right. you're going to be you know, out for. And both times I evacuated, I was out for like four to four and a half days. So, I mean, were you, did you have a lot of this stuff on hand or did you have to go? Cause I know you had to go get the, uh, uh, pillowcases and stuff, but was a lot of that stuff you kind of already had, could you possibly even repurpose some of the stuff you use like tubs in your rack and just throw a lid on them or something like that? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. So those, uh, awesome. those 41 quart tubs right there mm-hmm. that have those lids duct taped on and that I uh, threw up in the chat above those, uh, most recent four, those were from this, this, uh, this eight stack 41 quart rack that I have. That's just these generic Sterilite tubs. And I happen to have, uh, four lids for them. So what I did was I just pulled them out. I left the bedding in them. And I, uh, once I had all my adults bagged up in pillowcases, I sort of evenly spaced them out in the tubs to try and distribute the weight to make mm-hmm. it so it wasn't so bad. Because the first mistake I did in my first uh, evacuation was I threw a bunch of big snakes in one tub and the thing weighed like 50 pounds really quick. <laughs> <laughs> and it hurt to move four times really fast up and down stairs, so that sucked. Um, so I learned that the second time. But, uh, yeah, having uh, any Sterilite tubs or anything that you can also keep lids for, like if you look, I have a lot of these tubs, uh, those Sterilite 15 or 16-quart tubs or whatever they are with the purple handles. Yeah, I love those things. And the 32s as well. If you have those, keep the lids, buy the lids, stash them on top of the rack or off to the side. So in a pinch, you could just like, you just literally, literally grab just it throw out. Throw the lid on. The lid on yeah. It. You know, you, if, if you don't have time to worry about the water bowls, then worst case scenario, you spill a little water. Who cares? They'll survive, you know, damp for two hours or whatever it is. <laughs> survive water. You deal yeah. with it. Some, the other thing is you need to learn to prioritize in this situation. You can't just do your nitty-gritty like, oh, there's poop in here. I got to clean it. And it you know, mm-hmm. that, that's just going to stay. That's going to stay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all the materials you can think of, tape, different kinds of tape. Uh, I don't even know. I Oh, I brought a 
deli cups with me. So right. I did offer animals water or soak them or whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. As much supplies as I had. And I had time, so I threw extra supplies in on top. I had, I went and grabbed my stash of bedding and a stash of paper towels and gloves and cleaning stuff so I could try and stay as sterile as possible throughout all of it. Um, right. Might spray, disinfectant stuff, because I had no idea what I was going to be dealing with. And I Everything had to accept the fact that. that whatever conditions I'm going to land in are going to be as good as I can get as long as my animals make it out and they're healthy and alive, you know. So sometimes right. you can't be picky. No, no, no. So, I mean, everyone was separated and everybody was, um, you know, set ready to roll. Uh, and I know you had uh, – where did you guys end up landing um, after you evacuated? Yeah, so the first time, um, my girlfriend ended up staying in town a few days longer than I did, but she was stayed at a friend's house uh, uh-huh. that was about 45 minutes up the road, and she happens to be our vet tech at the zoo. So they would carpool together to work those days that they did end up going. Um, she stayed there because she, ha- she has guinea pigs, so the guinea pigs went with her, and they did their girls' <laughs> guinea pig thing, and- they had fun in the mountains, and whatever. <laughs> I want to hear the guinea pigs were that out. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least like the guinea pigs weren't in a tub next to the snakes, because I can see where that could oh, be God. a little bit of a thing. Oh, but all right. Yeah. No, that would have been bad. Um, not good. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up going up to Paso Robles, which is about two hours north of Santa Barbara, where. Um, my friend Travis Johnson lives of uh, Living Legless, and it's yeah. about 10 minutes past Atascadero, which is where Brian Cusco lives. So I went up there for four days, and uh, Travis has a pretty spacious reptile room, although all of his rack space is rather full. Uh, mm. My animals were at least in a, a semi-warm room in their tubs and containers, and I was able to try and like spread animals out as best as possible amongst those tubs and give them time to stretch. And Brian came over and did some filming. And so we pulled a bunch of animals out and, uh, yeah. Wow. So Travis saved my butt the first time. And, uh, I owe him and his family, a, a big debt of gratitude. His wife, Larissa is wonderful. His kids, Riley and Corey are awesome. And it's a big family affair with all the reptiles there. So mm. they're all about it. Um, and I had three tarantulas at the time. I currently have one and, I sort of snuck them into his house against Uh-oh. my wife's rules. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, were, I got you. <laughs> they were stacked in a pile right next to the door. And she walks in. She goes, wait a minute. You don't have tarantulas, do you? And I was like, no. And I had to resist the urge to let my eyes wander down to the clearly <laughs> Look anywhere but down. Yeah. Of tarant- <laughs> and I was like, no, no, not at yeah. all. And walked out, and I just turned to Travis. I was like, shit. Sorry, dude. <laughs> he was like, "Ah, damn it." <laughs> so, uh, um, so I mean, like, it, it could have been. Uh, I imagine it would have been, could have, would have, should have been way worse if you didn't have uh, Travis to go to. I mean, uh, the option would have been what? Uh, I guess a hotel room or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So hotels would have been an option, which would have been freaking expensive. Yeah, um, Jesus. But, yeah, I'm going to drop nine photos in the chat that show how I occupied this space in Travis's room plus 
uh, you know, shoving animals in tubs. And surprisingly, my Savannah monitor, who has a tendency to be, tendency to be a little bit of a, a terrible two-year-old, was an absolute saint the entire time through both evacuations. Okay. So it was pretty good. There. Yeah, it's just slow. I got you. So, it's like, I mean, even just getting, like, I mean, trying to maximize space stacking because you you want to get everybody inside but you can't take up all of travis's room because then what's he going to do so um yeah and i mean uh and and it's awesome of him to let you even set up in the room because you know if if say if travis wasn't the you know keeper that we know he is i mean you'd be you could be walking into a bad situation or something like that but correct so the other point that that you know leans towards is if you know that you're you're coming up against a potential situation where you need to leave, you should be already like racking your brain about who's around that uh, you're comfortable bringing your animals to, and and at least will have some open floor space, if not cage space, rack space, what have you. Um, right. You know, and try and prioritize people who you know are diligent on quarantine and cleaning and have a you know, a pretty pristine collection and pay attention to detail like that. Um, if you can, I mean, if not, you know, you, you take what you get, like I said earlier, but, um, Travis is, uh, pretty diligent on who he buys from and, uh, has a very, very clean immaculate collection. And, uh, I felt like I, it was a, a good option to go to and it ended up being perfect, um, for, you know, the amount of, excuse me, the amount of time I was there and he's, he says, you know, always welcome to come back. So it's good to have friends uh, nearby. That's another good point. Yeah. And it looks like you labeled every bag of who's in what. Um, yeah. At least some of them. So that was, that was yeah. good. So you know where everyone is. So did you uh, unbag everybody or were they just kind of in the bags for a couple of days and just kind of had to suffer through? Most of them sat in bags for a few days. Like I really okay. didn't have much choice. I would I would take them all out, um, mm-hmm. you know, and try and let them stretch. But for the most part, what I was doing was trying to spread them out, loosen the bags up a little bit, and then because I had so many heat packs, I was kind of spreading them around to give them at least a little bit of a choice if they wanted to shift to the side and like warm up. Um, sprayed a few down. My Kribo, uh, my adult male Kribo, he's about seven and a half feet. I <laughs> thought it'd be a good idea to put him in a, a pillowcase, and uh, and that was that was the wrong choice. Um, okay. I had uh, packed him up and put him, you know, with a bunch of animals in the living room as I was going through. And about an hour later, I had come back and I was checking on everybody to double check my count with my list, and I see the corner of his pillowcase just like fully pushed out as far as possible and he's just rubbing his face as hard as he can into that and it's sopping wet and I'm like oh shit <laughs> what's he doing to his face in the corner of his pillowcase and I pull him out and I swear to god it was I like I felt so stupid he had rubbed his nose so damn raw he rubbed all the like gold pigment off of his nose and he had oh. little pink raw like almost bloody spots and I was like Ah, crap. So then I had to change my whole packing scheme and I ended up giving him a whole 41 quart tub with bedding, (laughs) a pillowcase. You know, this is, this is an animal that's living in a six foot cage Mm -hmm. going to a 41 quart tub. And I think 
that helped. I put some uh, SSD on his nose and I had to disinfect and remedicate his nose every day. And he shed twice since then. And it's, it's almost fully healed now, but, um, man, I, I kicked myself for that. So I learned that the hard way. If you have large active colubrids, don't put them in pillowcases for long periods of time. They do not like it. Um, yeah, that's something that I have even... big transport tubs. Yeah, it's something like I wouldn't have even thought about that until one of my guys like rub themselves raw. It's some do yeah. well in bags, some don't. So yeah. that totally changes up your scheme there. Um, yeah, and I was glad I had my SSD and Corahex and paper towels yeah. and gloves and everything because I was able to properly and sterilize, like clean and medicate his nose during all of that. And I think that's the only reason why it's recovering so well. That's good. So everything loosens up and you guys decide to go back or you decide to go back and how long were you, how long was it between the first and second evacuation? Uh, two days. Jesus. Okay. So (laughs) you just managed to get everybody back in their cages and back set up and like, let your guard down for a second. And then you're, you're out the door again. Yep. And I learned a valuable lesson in that too. Uh Don't, Feed your animals right after you get back. Oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Then if something happens again, you have to evacuate animals with full bellies. All right. So, so then re- that transitions <laughs> into my next point. Have yep. duplicate pillowcases and tubs to swap out animals when they destroy and shit in all of their containers in the car uh, uh, when you get to your destination. I'm surprised you didn't get anybody to. I'm surprised you didn't get anybody to throw up. I mean, that would have been my first. I, I know my guys. I know at least like three of them would be like, and eh, black. So then, like, yeah. So that. Well, fortunately, it was at, like the time of year where it was none of my adults that were feeding. It was the younger guys, and I was okay. worried that like they had gone, especially um, uh, some of the smaller ones that I was like working on getting up to speed. I was hitting a rhythm with them, so I didn't want to throw them off too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, like moving already didn't, but, uh, yeah, I had, uh, some rodents that had thawed while I was gone because, uh, here's another tip, tip number three, if you're evacuating and you're turning, uh, off electrical equipment to your room, so nothing lights fire or keeps running your bill for a month while you're not there or however long, make sure you don't turn off your freezer Oh, 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 <laughs> gross. <That's> okay. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, there was enough ice, like solid ice-related items in there that when I came back, um, all of the large wraps were still solid as a rock, but some of the smaller ones had thawed. Um, so I had to chuck anything that didn't have fur on it, but, like, was able to save quite a bit of it, actually, because my freezer had such a good seal. But I did have to feed some of it off before I lost it. And then okay. it, it was still good quality. It, you know, looked exactly as if I had just thought it out anyway. But uh, I did lose, you know, a couple hundred bucks in mice and rats, which sucked. But uh, it is what it is. If that's the worst that happened out of it, you know, like that's that's pretty successful. I had one crested gecko drop his tail because in a rush I told my girlfriend, grab all the geckos. So she grabbed all the geckos. She goes, now what do I do with them? I said, Throw them in the tubs. And she just threw them in some tubs that I had there. And there was a tail. And, <laughs> it's like, oh. And, and I have three boys. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so I left them alone oh, no. and I unpacked them. And uh, this one male was like super dominant and he's beating the shit out of my, uh, like my favorite Dalmatian boy. And he's got like bite wounds all over him. And oh no. Tail was still there, but I separate him, put him in something that I had later. I check him the next morning, tails off. I'm like, son of a bitch. That was my first tail drop. And it was the one who's just a pet. And he was my first one. And I feel like I failed him, but. If, if that's the worst thing that happened throughout this entire right. bullshit, um, mm-hmm. I call it a win. <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. that's just me. But, um, yeah. so. So, I mean, you know, it could have been way worse. I was, I had to mentally prepare myself like, okay, I'm probably going to lose animals. I'm probably yeah. going to have animals get sick. I might, you know, have animals escape. I might have animals die. I might have animals do all sorts of crap that I don't know. Um, and fortunately, that didn't really happen. Uh, I have one, my female tiger jag seems to be showing latent signs of, like, stress from all of it. And she's just been acting kind of off lately. But um, uh, one of my import IJs, I think, either contracted some degenerative thing or hurt herself in the process or something or who the hell knows what because now she's got a bend in her, her spine and, and stuff isn't passing through and she's not eating and she looks like crap. So. Oh, wow. And which one is that? <clears throat> that was one of the, the imports that we got in um, a couple rounds oh. ago. Okay. Uh, last year. This is a striped female that I have. She was doing you know, on again, off again, on again, off again, healthy as a horse. Um, and then we go into all this evacuation stuff and she starts going downhill um, from the stress of it all and just like not eating. She was kind of like going into winter, not eating before it, which isn't unusual for her. And then, uh, yeah, she's never pulled out of it. And she looks like crap right now. She looks like a female that's been hollowed out from laying eggs. But she's right. like a you know the size of a two year old, so doesn't make sense. Um, huh. And then she's got a, a a small but like noticeable bend in her spine, and I don't know if just something later on showed up from the stress of moving. Because sometimes when you when you move animals a lot and they're not exposed to you know normal surroundings and then they're cold and they're bouncing around in a car for a few hours and this and that, sure. you know. It, once you get them back on heat, things sort of just like come to life. Like their immune system is a little bit suppressed and, you know, maybe bacteria is a little bit, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's a better window to, you know, wreak a little bit of havoc during those times of stress. And who knows, or maybe she right. hurt herself. I, I couldn't tell you, you know, I had to pack animals up and throw them in tubs. So sure. she may have gotten squished or who the heck knows or pinched in a tub or I don't know, but, um, one way or another, it's, it's my fault. Um, she's my responsibility, but she is alive for the moment, but I don't anticipate she will survive much longer in her condition. So I've got a vet appointment coming up to that, but no fatalities officially from the move and the double evacuation. So I consider that cons- like at least not awful. We'll say. Yeah, that sucks. Yep. But Overall, I guess, uh, you know, it's not the, so how did it affect your, are you breeding now or? Yeah. Um, I'm still in that stage where like things are just starting to 
sort of show interest in lockup a little bit, but I'm like still doubting myself and like doom and gloom on everything. <laughs> um, okay. You were talking about that last week, I think, or when Nick was on. Um, yeah. But uh, my my rainbow bows when I evacuated, I threw them in a bag together just so that uh-huh. they uh, uh, they would at least you know be efficient in space. So it's like one less pillowcase I got to use, even though I had one for them. And I ended up actually giving them their own tub. Mm-hmm. I put uh, my granite mail with this uh, pothead I have. Um, who didn't go last year, but I think she's going this year because she's absolutely rotund right now. And then uh, I realized this one animal wasn't large for her size. I just didn't know how to read my index cards, and she's actually a year older than I thought. And she started showing me all these behavioral signs. So the striped jungle has been breeding with this zebra of mine, Um but she is, uh, she's one of those striped jungles from that, uh, uh, the striped Hamilton stuff. So she does have a dash of coastal in her. So nothing crazy, but they seem to be working out. I'm more excited for the rainbows than anything. Cause it's that female that gave me 34 babies in 2016. Oh, nice. <laughs> but so, you know, I would have been really pissed if like Riley got IJs to breed like during like a fire evacuation and I can't get them. <laughs> to do shit in like the ideal conditions. Like, you know, I, I, again, the hatred for them yeah, would have just so, abounded. So <laughs> the second evacuation, I was down in LA at, uh, Mike Renault's place, Mike from ADD uh-huh. reptiles. And, uh, he actually hit me up the day where I had that like 30 minute notice at work and had to like split. Cause I yeah. posted something on Instagram about the fires, like showing me wearing like a, a, a gas mask or some, like a smoke mask. And he was like, damn, that's really horrible or something. Like, I'm just down the road. Like, I've got open cage space. I don't know how many animals you have. But, like, if you think it's helpful, come down. And I see that comment right as <laughs> I was like, Guess um, what? <laughs> I'll be there in an hour. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> your address. And uh, fortunately, he had, like, uh, half a CB70 rack, a 35 cord, a bunch of, like, open uh, – smaller tub spaces that were at least big enough for animals to like semi thermo thermo regulate and throw our deli cups in and give them some water. And it was warm. Uh, so they were able to digest those meals that they had been fed, uh, during the two days I was able to go home because all those racks actually had heat. So 90% of my animals were able to get in tubs at that place. Most of them, it was the same sort of setup they have here. So when I threw my granite and that posset together, they actually started breeding two hours <laughs> later. I checked on them. I was like, oh, well, shit, pardon me. Let me close that up. Don't mind me. God me. damn it. I'm freaking, I'm freaking out over here making sure, you know, we're all going to survive this and you guys are knocking boots. Like, you know, excuse me. Now is the perfect time. Um, <laughs> Yeah, whatever. And the rainbows, the rainbows don't care, man. They're some pretty resilient boas. If anybody wants boas and you don't run your room super hot, and you like humid stuff that just eats even during the winter when you're cooling them, rainbow boas are no, they're pretty fun. But uh, yeah, they were uh, getting cozy while we, while we were evacuated as well, and that zebra and that striped jungle type animal were. Uh, we're getting at it together too, and she's been ovulating. It looks like today, so no kidding. Making yeah. a bunch of fire babies. 
Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I'm I'm all gonna name the, the all the males are gonna be named Thomas after the Thomas fire. And then <laughs> all of the females are gonna be named uh uh Monica after Montecito or something like that. I don't know. Right? <laughs> better than that, but uh <sighs> You you'll you got time. You're good. There's no fires coming yeah. down at you right now that we know of. So yeah. Well, now my dilemma is if I do have any animals breeding this year, I'm about to move to Sacramento. So I hope they hold on to their eggs till I move. Oh God! <laughs> it's just yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's add another layer onto this one. Another, <laughs> another move. <laughs> Another yeah, move. Let's see how many times we can do this. A bang around here, man. <laughs> you to be, be a master at packing up your collection and moving it quickly. My God. Yeah. Well, the first time I evacuated, I got everybody packed up in the car in about an hour and a half. The second time, I got everybody in about forty-five minutes. So, I'm oh, I'm good practice. Good pace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can be doing thirty minutes flat. You're going to be good. I mean, God damn it. Yeah, it's routine, oh. unfortunately. God. <laughs> yeah. Um fun times. So I mean, did you guys already hit on the quarantine thing? Like I know you did the video on no. it. Um like I we you did the video on quarantine. What would you recommend in the situation like this to try to maintain some semblance of a quarantine? Yeah. Um shoot, in an ideal world, if you've got two cars uh evacuating, two vehicles um, going to the same destination, you know, like if it's you and a spouse or a roommate or something, if you have animals that are undergoing quarantine uh, phase at that time, see if mm. you can put them in a separate car, pack them up, you know, just as safely, um, but try and keep them as separate as possible, individual tubs, just something that you can throw a lid on um, if you need to. Um, it really depends on what everybody's quarantine setup is. Uh, some people don't have that luxury. So, if you can transport them in different vehicles, that's great. Um, you know, try and bring gloves. Try not to handle your quarantine animals when you're doing them or pack them up last after you've packed up all of your your main collection animals so at least you're not touching everything after those animals have not been cleared. Hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. gloves, paper towels, disinfectant. Bring all of that so you can make sure that, you know, as you're – getting unpacked wherever your destination is, you can maintain that level of sterility and separation in them. They might have to share the same airspace in a vehicle if you don't have two vehicles going, but just try and pack them separately. Um, Anything is better than nothing, you know, but uh, unfortunately in that situation, I had, uh, I had a, a giant Madagascar hognose snake in quarantine in the living room in my quarantine space. And I had to pack him up with everything because it was just one animal. And he had been through quarantine for, I think, a month and a half at that point. And he was you okay. know, pretty solid. I, had, uh, I hadn't run any fecal samples on him, but um, the importer had, had cleared him twice uh, for his record. So, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have the luxury of being able to put him in a second car because my girlfriend and I ended up at different places and he ended up having to cut quarantine short. And fortunately nothing happened uh, negatively so far. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. I'm out of the woods yet. I would feel better 
you know, come summer, if everybody's still healthy and nothing weird has shown up and, you know, I'll probably still run a few more fecal samples on him uh, once I get some just to, you know, for my own sanity. But unfortunately in that situation, sometimes you don't have the luxury of quarantine and that's just how it goes. But the best you can do is wash your hands, bring hand sanitizer, pack them separately, try and transport them separately and just keep it in mind as best you can. Have you had any issues that you can kind of chalk up to? I know you said your one tiger jag is kind of showing some that I'm not happy. I've been bounced all over the place kind of stuff, but Mm -hmm. you know, a feed trial, like babies going off food or uh, anything along those lines. Have you seen anything like that at all? Uh, I've, I've seen a couple animals take an extra week or two to uh, get back into the feeding routine. Um, But some Mm -hmm. of them actually, some of the males were going off, but I think it's just uh, the time of year. Like uh, my import IJ male, I, I actually need to stop saying that IJ. My import West Papuan carpet male. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Right, we um, have to be more. We have to be politically correct here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually like that. Anyway, it sounds fancier. Um, <laughs> I, I sound smart when I say that. You know, like in certain white collar circles where people don't know how to pronounce the word reptile, and they're looking at me like some crazy traveler or Ace Ventura jungle guy, and I say, West <laughs> Papuan carpets. They're like, oh. Right. <laughs> and then all Royal python versus ball python. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why I say royal python, unless I'm slipping. Brian Kessel got me slipping twice last time I saw him. <laughs> but uh, I say royal. Distinguishes them more. But um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Whether you had used with uh, snakes when you got home. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, quite a few of them surprised me. I expected a lot of them to uh, go off feed more than they did. But uh, my brettles, I have a pair of, like, year-and-a-half brettles that just didn't care about anything, and they seemed fine. (laughs) Um, I swear to God, my uh, female children's python thinks it's time to breed, and she's two. Um, She has, like, not been eating the male, has... She, I don't know. I don't know these anteriors are that well. And I keep sending photos to Andy Grossman. He's like, oh, yeah, maybe. What year are they? They're the 16s they got me. He's like, whoa, that's young. <laughs> well, uh, I've, heard, I've heard stranger things than that. So, yeah, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, so far everybody's doing all right. I haven't seen anybody losing a bunch of weight. Um, yeah, yeah, everybody actually looks pretty good. Everybody seems to be eating for the most part. So it's been, uh, I, I swear to God, like, I don't know how I, whatever I did in this life to be blessed with such easygoing circumstances, considering all of the, the details during these fires, like, thank you, whatever lucky stars were aligned on that. Cause I really got away with it big time. It could have been way worse. Like, yeah. I guarantee you if I had to go through that again, it would go smoothly. That's just not how it goes normally. I just, I think, but you know, preparation makes a big difference, but still, I think anytime you move animals, stuff crops up. Yeah. True. Even when you move them from cage to cage. Yeah. You know, and like you move them. And stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, I'm sure, uh, moving them, uh, you know, from 
place to place, house to house, you know, different temps and all that kind of stuff probably uh, not only stresses the snake out, but also the keeper, right? Yeah. Uh, not ideal for yeah. anybody. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and, you know, when the, when I evacuated south um, the second time to L.A., the freeways ended up uh, being so bad, I, I actually couldn't get back home. Um, so whatever clothes I had with me, and whatever, you know, stuff I had was like, that's, that's all I got. And fortunately, um, I stayed with, uh, Mike, uh, down in LA and, um, he, while I was there, I, you know, he went to work and his wife and him have a, a newborn son who's only three months old. So while she's, uh, taking care of the baby, I was, you know, helping taking care of his collection of, you know, all of his monitors, tegus, pythons and everything in his garage and basement. So, you know, I tried to re- repay the favor as much as possible and help out for, mm-hmm. you know, taking me in and stuff. And I helped with the dogs and uh, taking care of the tortoises in the backyard and stuff and just making life a little bit easier for them because, like, they really saved my ass during that. So that was a big deal. So there are some good people there for sure. So were you longer at Travis's or were you longer at – um so it was Tom is the other place you were at or uh Mike from Mike, I'm sorry. Reptiles. Yeah. I get Tom? But yeah, um were you, were you longer <laughs> at Mike's than you were at Travis's? Actually, I was there I was at both places 4 days each about. So, okay. um when I was at Travis's it was voluntary and it was starting to look like it was getting under control and then it went south again. And then when I went down to Mike's place it was actually mandatory evacuation. So I was there until they lifted the evacuation orders. It just so happened to be about the same time. So overall I was evacuated for about eight, nine days in total over 11 days of, uh, of a disaster. And then the mudslides came. (laughs) California sucks. (laughs) It's just Jesus. Does that affect you uh, at all? I mean, how does that work? Well, fortunately, the only um, impact it had on me was that I couldn't go anywhere south of where my place was. It was literally on the line of where all the closed roads and everything were at. So I couldn't go to my normal grocery store, and I couldn't go to my pharmacy. Um, I couldn't go visit anybody south. I, if I wanted to do anything, it was going north. Um, but there were a lot of people a lot of people I know that are only just being able to go back into their house now after being under mandatory evacuation for a month out of their place there because the mudslide was so devastating. Like all the hillsides were cleared out of a lot of vegetation and the way it works is there's a lot of valleys there uh, in this little hilly backcountry area. And because all that stuff burned the next big rain that came through, which ended up being a really big rain, over like two days just sent everything rolling down the hill and it just I drove through the town that it affected it and it looked like some war torn jungle village in the middle of like Belize. It was just it was crazy. There's like a kid's like pink toy car thing that you sometimes see on the front of like grocery carts just like covered in mud embedded in some twigs and trees off to the side of the road and a washer and dryer in somebody's driveway and there's just service trucks going everywhere, moving bucket loads and tons of just mud. It's everything's just muddy. It's gross. Wow. So, I mean, 
you were evacuated for like nine days. Can you imagine what would have happened if you had to be one of those people that were evacuated for a month because of these mudslides? Ah, uh, dude. I think it would have been I mean, way worse if if I had to bring my animals to somebody's house for a month. How do you think I, I think that? I, I don't know. I I can honestly say I would have probably lost a lot of my collection. Like they even with you know like I brought rolls of heat tape and some thermostats and things and like if I really had to I could have taped a line down a, a tile hallway and like thrown tubs on it, but. You know, it only worked for so many animals, and certain animals it would have been too hot, and certain animals it just, you know, just tub life wouldn't have worked for a month. And um, I guarantee you that I would have lost animals. I, if, it would have been awful. Wow. It would have been so that's, bad. That my insane. boss, I mean, had to be evacuated for a month, and he, they like went to the hotel the night before, thinking like we'll just go to a hotel for one night just to be safe. And mm-hmm. that night was the night of the big mudslide, and they were thinking that you know worst case scenario they'd have to be out for a day. Well, he's only just getting back into his place like yesterday, and this has been going on for over a month. And he evacuated with two t-shirts, two pairs of pants. Oh my two god! Pairs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh my god! Two days worth of clothes. He was doing laundry every other day, and ended up having to just go buy some more clothes. And you know, half the time people can't get into work because of this. So we were really running bare bones skeleton crews. I worked alone for three to four days out of every work week for about a month. So wow. It was crazy. Wow. It's still that's, crazy. Like, that's it's insane. still weird. It's just like, there's this weird, like aftershock of like, what the hell just happened when you just drive around, like nothing's normal. Everybody's like sort of forcing normal right now. Still. It's very bizarre. That is nuts. So, like, how long did it take for you to get back into your normal routine after you got everybody back, plugged back in home? I mean, you know, did it did, did it take a couple of days for everything to kind of settle down in your collection a little bit or at least kind of return to somewhat normal? Yeah, I would say it, it probably took about two, three days for everybody to start getting back into their normal routine where I was seeing them drinking and thermoregulating and eating and defecating and hiding and being behaviorally what I would consider normal for each of them. Um, fortunately, everything was just left as it was, and I just plugged a few things back in, flipped a few switches, life went back to normal sort of in the room. But the one thing I wasn't able to do was to use um, the windows to help sort of change the night drops a little bit in assistance with what the thermostats were doing and help ventilate mm-hmm. quite as much because the air quality was just so god awful outside. I mean, I was wearing a respirator mask anytime I went outside for a couple of weeks after the fires were you know, sort of out of the way, and I just didn't even want my animals to breathe it. It was so awful, dude. It was just, you're, the skies are gray and orange. Everything's covered in ash. It's just, you walk outside and you're just like developing asthma with every step you take. It's just it's horrible. Wow. That's insane. Did it affect the water supply at all? Yeah. So Montecito was on a boil water notice for a while, um, especially during the mud size. During the fires, there was water shutoffs. There was power shutoffs, gas shutoffs. 
Um, so we couldn't get hot water for a while. Then the water was just straight shut off for a while. Then it was back in some places. The water was just not considered safe to drink unless you boiled it. Um, and then it got to the point where there was no heat, gas, or electric to boil it. So they couldn't use it anyway. And then oh. they just ended up, they just evacuated everybody from Montecito. It was mandatory, like everybody out, you're just gone. And it was because they just needed, you know, to not have to worry about civilians and people in there. So all these dozers and trucks, you get in there and just start like bulldozing all the mud and these car sized boulders and stuff that came cascading down the mountains out of there. Cause it's just, just like, I don't know if you guys have looked it up, but if you Google like, Montecito mudslides and things. You scroll down, you'll find slideshows of like 50 photos of just cars that have been tossed around. Like the Hulk came in and just, you know, was chucking them as far as he could. And just these massive boulders just being ripped out of the mountainside come barreling through people's homes and just terrifying stuff. Like, yeah. People got sucked out of their homes because these people all just got back home the week prior from evacuating from all the fires. And a lot of them are wealthy, retired folks that, you know, they don't work. They're elderly. There's a large elderly population there. It's a a wealthy part of town. And a lot of these folks are just tired from the evacuation. They've been gone as long, if not longer, than I was out for. And they didn't want to evacuate. And some of them didn't. And unfortunately, a lot of people died. And it was really messed up. And I hate to say it, but there's a lot of dead bodies that still haven't been uncovered on the mud out there, you know. That's, that's horrible. Bad. It's, it really is, you know, and it's just, and people are now just being able to get back in homes, but that doesn't mean they can, you know, use their water. They have to show IDs to get in because the police are making sure looters aren't going in because, again, it's a wealthy town, and uh, it's it feels like a war zone drive through there. There's like police escorts for everything, Caltrans people everywhere working on roads and cutting down trees that are splintered and cleaning up mud. It's just it's overwhelming, dude. It's gnarly. So did did the water quality didn't affect you or the zoo, right? Because I mean like what would you guys do in that instance? I mean, do you do you boil all the water you need for the zoo or do you boil all the water you need for your reptiles? I mean that that would be a gross undertaking. Yeah. So fortunately where our, where the zoo's property line lies was mm-hmm. uh, right on a different County district. So it was a different watershed, like literally right on the edge of the Montecito water district uh, watershed. So it was tapped into Santa Barbara. So we didn't have to deal with quite as much as that, but it was definitely something to pay attention to at, uh, at home. I, uh, I stocked up on a bunch of like big gallon things of water and I was just ready to rock. Um, at the zoo, we, before we even got to the point where, uh, there was any concerns of water, cause we knew that that might come up. We actually, um, had a bunch of those 55 gallon trash cans and we stationed them in, you know, multiple corners and multiple buildings around, uh, the zoo and filled them up with water everywhere and put lids on them and sealed them. And then we also have uh, a 600 gallon vat of reverse osmosis water um, in one of my aquarium buildings that I work in. And then we have a couple other small reverse osmosis systems and some of our other uh, reptile buildings. So we had uh, backup plans just in case mm-hmm. we were going to be without water for a while. We do have a serious level of uh, backup generators that kick on in about three seconds anytime the power goes out. So we would have been able to run power should we lose it. 
um, and we would have been okay. But never came to that point, fortunately. Do you feel kind of working at the zoo and uh, going through all their, like, prep for this and prep for that and prep for this, um, just in case, do you think that helped you at all with these kind of evacuations, or um, was it kind of just not something you ever thought about? No, it it definitely did. Um, When I first started keeping reptiles privately was, like, right after – um, I started working at the zoo, like on a serious level, I've had reptiles since I was eight or nine. Um, mm. but when I finally started getting into like this level of keeping and collecting animals, um, that's, that was around the time when I started at the zoo. And so, uh, I started learning about all the drills that we run at the zoo for earthquakes and tsunamis and fires and venomous incidents and all these things. And so all of a sudden preparation and cleanliness and quarantine was the most apparent thing for me. Cause when I first really started, I didn't know anything about quarantine. Nobody taught me anything about quarantine. I didn't know. I didn't know what that was. Quarantine to me was like toxic aliens. What movie? Yeah. Like, what are we talking <laughs> about here? <laughs> so I learned that very quickly. Um, you know, foot baths, washing hands, wearing gloves, servicing animals at the end of the day or on different days and, you know, planning for it ahead of time and this and that. Um, and so, it, you know, preparation ahead of time was always in your face and it always is because we have a head of security there who loves conducting crazy drills and throwing curveballs in. And he always exceeds the AZA minimum uh, number of different drills. He loves doing natural disaster drills. And it's not just a tsunami. It's a tsunami, an earthquake, a building collapse. This dangerous animal got out. Somebody got bit by this rattlesnake and there's a broken glass shard coming out of this lady's arm while a gorilla's God, running around. Plus, <laughs> your radio's down, and you can't get to the, the weapons locker. What do you do? And it's just like, ah, I'm going to go pee myself <laughs> in the corner real quick. I, I panic, yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, so kudos to him. He's got everybody on those teams whipped into shape, man. Our response is pretty pretty impressive. Um, if somebody were to ever be bit by a rattlesnake at the zoo, they would be – uh, on a transport vehicle out of the zoo parking lot on their way to the hospital where we have the crow fab right down the street in 10 minutes flat. So, wow. It'd be, it, we've got it down to a science, and that's all that preparation. And so that gets hammered into you really early on. You start working in zoos, at least for me, that was the most like novel thing. Um, right. But I, I'm not going to lie, I was not prepared. Um, the 10 years I've lived in Santa Barbara, there have been lots of fires. Uh, there've been a lot of them. When I, the first year I moved down, I remember I got a job in the mall downtown. I remember driving to work, having to call my boss because I was stuck in traffic because the freeway is closed because the entire mountainside next to it was on fire. Um, hmm. So, it, you know, call me a, a late bloomer, but it wasn't until this fire that really got me prepared. And on top of all of my cages and, Everywhere I've got extra tubs, big tubs, uh, like shipping containers, all the foam inserts. I've got all my pillowcases like now, but beforehand I was like, oh, crap, I'm not ready. The Mm. night before, you know, I drove out to Kmart, cleared out the pillowcase aisle and uh, went to Smart and Final and bought a bunch of, you know, deli cups and everything. And I just I just went ham on the preparation and it happened to work perfectly because two days later I. I ended up using all of that. Oh, wow. So are you going to kind of have a, 
emergency. I thought you were going to go, Owen. I was waiting. I heard I, you. I, I was thinking. <laughs> oh I'm t- I, sometimes I got to think about how I'm going to word things. Uh, you yeah. know, it kicks around <laughs> in my head for a little bit. But it's like, are you going to, are you going to have like a backup kit or something for a, just in case this ever happens again? Yeah. So I actually have um, like a big reusable grocery bag in this shelf in my closet right now that has a couple really simple thermostats, some rolls of heat tape with the connector ends on it, um, backup bags. I've got everything that I found I was using for Mm -hmm. my evacuations on this top shelf ready to roll. So if I have to, I just yank it down and all I have to do is start bagging animals, cupping animals, sewing everything together, throwing them in the car and rolling. And I know what, what tubs and what lids I need. I know what I have empty. Um, I actually need to update my census count because that changed over the last month. But, um, you know, keeping that up to date is a big deal too. So, yeah, I've I've got, without it being like a formal kit, I've got all my supplies kind of in this closet in my snake room ready to roll so I can just pull it off the shelf, bag animals, and, and get the hell out. So I've got it down to a system. I've done it twice now. And, we moving everybody again in about four weeks. No, oh, God. Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah, that is not fun. <laughs> no, but at least I've got it down to a science, right? Right. True. Um. So I get. Did you say that you're you're not breeding then, right? Or yes. Yes. No. You're, well, you're I am. I am. Those. Yeah, I am still. I am still pairing animals. I've been pairing my rainbow boas because they don't care about what the hell's going on. They're like evacuation. Yeah, whatever. Um, right. They're eating. They're shedding. They're doing everything fine. Um, I've got the. I'm pretty sure that poshet female is uh, is going to go the distance for me this year. She. She looks abnormally large and round in the male. I've been locking up with her for the last few days, so that'll be interesting to see if she proves out. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. I don't really have high hopes for the season. I think the whole evacuation thing really screwed me up. Um, the one pairing that I was really hoping for was my tiger to tiger jag, and I've been sort of like going easy on feeding the male because he's an asshole, and the more I feed him, the more food motivated he becomes, and then he tries to like bite me in the crotch and. I'm at my face all the time and I have photographic evidence of him doing this on the regular. So I was like, Oh, I'll just kind of let him focus on the female. And he just literally does laps around her cage, ignores her and stresses her out. And they're not doing much. I caught them doing a little bit. And then they were getting cozy during one evacuation. And then they've been doing a little bit lately, but otherwise she just looks pissed off and upset about everything. And I don't think it's going to work out. So I don't really have hopes for this season. Maybe it'll be another rainbow year only. So who knows? Well, like I said, if that's the worst thing to come out of you moving the collection twice uh, into this evacuation stuff is that that's, I I take it. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting. I lately I've been equating it to uh, Eric's experience taking the year off breeding and, he developed, you know, a much more profound level of appreciation for these animals, the lack of like stress on it. And I've been sort of taking that approach. I'm, I'm not really stressed about the breeding. My animals are alive at this point. So, you know, it's all I can ask for. And, and lately I've really been appreciating them a lot more and doing more, more photo shoots with them and just handling them and taking them out a lot more. So, you know, if I, if 
if I get nothing this season and my animals survive, cool with me. Yeah. Wrong with that. Yeah, it yeah. it does. It kind of kind of refocuses you. It was uh, it was a pretty good experience, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, I was, you, I was, you have a temporary change in priority, and all of a sudden you're looking at them a little different. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Yeah, because I was wondering how you're going to deal with uh, you know one move, two moves, and now three <laughs> moves, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, let's just say if anything is breeding, I hope they keep it inside of them until I get up to Sacramento because incubators ready to roll, but eggs don't travel well. So mm. if the boas do it, great, because five bear all the way. Just scoop up the babies the and go. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So do the it's rainbow kind of bo- like... Oh, go ahead. Hmm? I was no, going to no, say, no, do no, the no, rainbow no, boas smell as bad when they give birth as uh, other boas? It's horrible. <laughs> um, you know, I would honestly say it depends on if you're keeping them on paper, substrate, and uh, if there's a lot of slugs. I've seen some litters with, like, lots of slugs that smell pretty bad, because slugs are kind of like those cheesy, wacky things, and I feel like when they sit there, but it also, I don't know, maybe... Maybe I need to experience a few more because I didn't notice much of the smell. I was playing in the goop and like pulling babies out, and I just did. I don't recall noticing the smell. So, um, but I only have one litter under my belt. So, you know, maybe in a few years I'll have more experience and, and be able to say that. I would ask Travis. He's got years of doing Argentines and um, a few different like Longicottas and things. I'll have to ask him. But yeah, it's kind of gross for sure. It's like a big. Uh, it's like if you ever crack an egg and it just, like, gets everywhere and the albumin just, like, you can't pick it up, but it's, like, spreading, yeah. like, the blob. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God. You end up having That's to do a cage overhaul and it gets <laughs> everywhere. Wow. Okay. But, yeah, it's fun times. So you, you just got to get messy. That's how it goes. No, thank you. Give me something in an egg. Just, oh, what about your Dominican Red Mountain bows? And I hate them, and that's one of the reasons I hate them. <laughs> he hates them. Uh, I hate them. So we it we didn't. Eric came over here. We showed the entire collection. Didn't do anything with the Dominican bows. They're not anywhere on the film. Say, I nope. didn't see any of them. Nope. I was for them and it didn't happen. You won't. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, didn't happen. We, we didn't take video of them. I. I that's true. Well, <laughs> the one, the one that probably wouldn't musk on you is probably pregnant. So that's oh, partially why. So yeah. So so you got babies coming of the animals that you hate. God, I hope not. <laughs> so it's. Uh, I think it's you need those... rosy boas. I think no. I don't think I need anything. If you get those, I don't think I need any more. I, I think I'm good. I. Because, Riley, like, when you were talking about with the list and stuff, like, get a list of all your animals, I did Oh, yeah, that. you made a list. <laughs> I did that. And I saw the numbers, and I can never unsee the numbers now. And it's like, dear God, I need to stop. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. It's enough. Yep. Well, you, you also need Kribos, too. I mean, those things well, are those shit. Are, those, those have to happen. Which you'll like the 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 next. <laughs> Don't um, you love how like it's uh, something? Kind of <laughs> <laughs> those yeah, things have to happen. Like, no. I mean, those. 
I can't buy anything. Well, when you mention those, I mean, but uh, <laughs> when when the next uh, video that Eric posts up, that's where all of, like Collybridge stuff is. So you like that one? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I never thought I'd be getting back into uh, Collybridge, and then I, I got a male Crebo like four years ago, and I was just like, "What is this guy doing in my collection?" So I was like, "You know what? I'm going to get more." Yeah. So I got a female, and I was like, "Cool." Done with Colubrids. That's all I need. That's my face. Like, whatever. And I was like, eh, I really like this Madagascar giant hognos I work with at work. I think I'm going to look into those. Start doing some research next thing you know. I'm in love with them. I've got a male looking for more. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I haven't had a king snake since I was a kid. Oh, I think I'll get some of those. Next thing you know, I show up at uh, Pomona and work there for the weekend, come home with king snakes. I'm like, how the hell did all these Colubrids get in my house? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, now. I, I, I blame going up to uh, – we went up to Nerd. We got to play with a cave-dwelling rat snake, and I came home, and I'm like, I got to get some more colubrids. And that spurred the uh, Vietnamese Blue Beauties, the Pine Snakes. Um, then we went back up to Nerd, and all I kept hearing was red-tailed green rat snakes, red-tailed green rat snakes. So I got those. Um, in between, I got uh, black rat snakes, I ate it, and then hog noses showed up. It, it's been insane. Yep. So. Yeah, those uh, those rat snakes are pretty cool, man. Those are a, a unique personality-filled species. Those are fun. Oh, they're badass. I love them. They hate me, but I love them for it. So well, that makes them more fun. The more out <laughs> I know, right? Better, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm all for it. So, yeah, it worked out well. So I'm glad that you're kind of back in the ooh pictures. Okay. Oh <laughs> uh, God. Damn it! That is a gorgeous animal. <laughs> Every I time I mention photos, like <laughs> I got uh, what? another striped king snake that I got some photos on the black last night that I'll I'll send up to eventually. Please. I mean, every time we mention like Crebo on the show, like I know when Riley's listening to the show because I'll mention <laughs> I'll mention Crebo, and then like halfway through the day Wednesday, all I do is dude you got to get some of these. And he sends me like a video or a picture <laughs> or, or something. Like his Kribo could just be like sitting and he's like, look at it. And I'm like, I know. All right. I know. And it's like, it's just torture. And again, it's like, I, I guess Riley's listening to the show right now. It's like, I, yep. it's just torture. So when it eventually happens, like the first person I'm going to end up telling is going to be Riley. Like it, er, he'll know before Eric at this point, unless Eric nice. is like right next to me. It's like I'm be like, here, they're <laughs> done. I got them. So like, yeah. But I think when fun. you get them, you will switch over. <laughs> you will. Know that'll be that'll be the that'll be the tipping point. Yeah. 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 Get these out of here. Everything in the genus. Then you're gonna want every uh, single dry monocarp. You're gonna want Easterns. You're gonna want Texas. You're gonna want yellowtails. You I can't everything. have. I can't have Easterns. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's like illegal to have Easterns. I would love to do that. You can't even get a permit for that? Don't tell me that there are possibilities. Don't do this. Don't do this, because then I will will pursue that. I think I just heard Owen make an excuse (laughs) for why he doesn't want to get some pretty awesome snakes. I I think we've ousted him. I think he needs the entire drug mark on Gina. Just sounds go get like permits a, and do that. Sounds like you know. excuses yeah, to no, me. No big deal. Shut up, you. <laughs> there's, there's people that do. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> 
don't, don't you have don't you have and Indian pythons like you have to find commonly referred to as a bad influence? Yeah. Oh yeah, this whole show is a bad influence. So <laughs> not just on Indian, me, on other people too. Yeah, Indian pythons are they're a little bit harder because they're actually CITES <laughs> one. So Oh <laughs> uh, right, yeah. 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 A little more well, go get your CITES. Uh, I'll get my permit sure. for Indigos, and you go get your CITES. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Just split, yeah. split it up, you know. Everybody <laughs> take your turn. Absolutely. Uh, God damn it. But that's cool. Anything you're adding well, to the I, collection this year? Anything that, oh. now that you're not evacuating? Um, I just got to look around. Oh, yeah, my girlfriend's out of the house right now. Cool. Um, <laughs> so sure, let me say this. Um, now we can uh, talk. I bought another, I bought another um, tiger head exanthic uh, from uh, Ryan at Rad Reptiles. Uh, oh, cool. So she's gonna come in. I mean, hopefully she doesn't. She doesn't listen to this stuff. What am I saying? She uh, <laughs> she she's going up to Sacramento a couple weeks before me. So I'm gonna have him ship her to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, this cloak and so dagger shit. <laughs> that's coming. And then what I need to do is is slap myself a couple times to get back focused and uh, go back to searching for um, some more Madagascar hognose. I need. Uh, I have one male. I need at least another pair, if not another trio. What I've been told is that. Um, that they only seem to have success breeding in captivity when there are two males to one female. It's a rather secretive style of uh, keeping any lots of hides. And it's kind of you throw a bunch of males with one female and they sort of figure it out and you just roll the dice. I, I'm intrigued and I kind of want to learn more than what is considered the general consensus. I want to like mm-hmm. see if I can against the grain and, and learn something out of you if that means learning that they're right and that I'm an idiot but I want to learn why I want to know why that is the case I want to know if it's just they're very shy animals or if that's just the, the way it's done in that style of keeping and if maybe a different style of keeping elicits different results I don't know do they adapt to rack systems or not do they need big cages like everybody says I don't know I want to figure that out but I like big Hognose snakes because they're big and they huff and puff and it's fun. No, cool. Yeah, they're awesome like that. That um, sounds like yeah. something you would love, Owen. I have them. I have the hognose. I told you the uh, the one big yeah, but... one that we were holding this uh, weekend. Uh, uh-huh. When I first got her, like I would touch the tub and then she wouldn't shut up for like half an hour. So yeah, but now yeah. she's all settled in, so she doesn't make any more noise. But I have oh. seen the Madagascan. Hognose, and I actually almost bought some. They were uh, I saw two on a table once. I think it was where uh, it was in a New Jersey show. I forget who had them. It was there was um because they don't really look like the Western like hognose hognose kind of a deal. No, they um, don't killed scales at all. It's smooth. Scales. No, they're and they're totally weird different. kind of. They were funky looking. Um, and the, and and if I had the money in my pocket, I probably would have grabbed it because the guy was selling like a pair or something like that. But this was, I think, a year or so ago, in like some short-lived Jersey show that was there. Um, but they're awesome snakes. Um, but you need to stop telling me colubrids that I would potentially want to get into because then I agree with you, and then like 
a couple of weeks from now, I'm going to be looking for them because yeah. that's how that works. So <laughs> not well, fair. I only ha- I only have the three, so you know. All right. That's what, I've drawn the line in the sand. Incidentally, that's just how it works. So I don't I don't have anything else yet to peer pressure you on. But okay, cool. As I'm scrolling through my phone to look for uh, photos of that mad hog. I'm seeing monkey tail skanks, and I'm seeing, oh, those are fun. Oh, and she got those. Andrew has uh, monkey tails, so I'm good. I can get everything I need from there. So I can go over and play with the monkey tailed skanks, and then I put them away and I leave. And I those don't things, have to worry about hurt. monkey tails. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I've been bit by four of them, two adults and two babies, and it freaking hurts. Even hurts when they start like running on your arms. Like sometimes, sometimes I go over to Andrew's place and I play with like his iguanas, and it looks like I'd have done nothing but like try to cut myself. It's with oh, yeah. nails and oh, it's horrible. So oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I get my fix at work, and then I just peer pressure everybody else with them. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> done. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm a bad influence. What can I say? Yeah, it's very cool. cool. I like that snake. So. Yeah, it kind of looks so. almost garter snakeish. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and they they go like uh, into this gold sort of checkered midsection where the front half is black with um, like the white underbelly that's speckled, and the back is um, the same, but the very middle is just like they slice two animals together and just. That's just what they came up with. They just put two thirds of one animal with one third of another. It just doesn't make sense. But they're yeah. really cool. And what really turned me on to them was the one that I work with at the zoo is uh-huh. entirely black with just a little bit of white coming up from the belly. So she's, I've never seen another one like it. And this is the Leo Heterodon Madagascarians. There's two other species. There's like a gold one and a speckled one. And they're completely different species and they're not quite as big as the, uh, these giants but these things they're just really interesting um i like their behavior the fact that they're they're like a different group of hognos that evolved separately from the ones in uh north america just baffles the heck out of me so i can't get enough of them they are very cool so awesome okay yep any other pick (laughs) <laughs> Any other pickups you're looking to uh to get? Um let me think. Uh I don't know. I I need to get back to my roots, you know. That's why I got those king snakes and uh the tiger stuff and, and jungles. Oh, you know what? That's what I need. I need another male striped jungle. Uh there you as soon go. as I can afford it. <laughs> yeah. Because the female I have, although she has, like, just a couple sections, like, six, eight inches, where there's, like, some linkage that would throw stripes. Right. I think she would throw stripes with the right male. And she's proven that, although the previous male did have coastal in them, I came to find out after the fact from that whole uh, striped Hamilton new discovery um, right. stuff, which is neither here nor there. Uh, and I'm not getting into that. Um, right. <laughs> but she complements striped animals very well. And I right. think that I would like to keep pursuing that. Um, I've talked to people like Amanda Kingsbury and 
a few other people about some of their stripe jungles. So there are some people producing some really nice pure jungle stuff that has stripe. Um, I just unfortunately have not had the timing and things to work out well to, to pursue it further with all of the evacuations and my spur of the moment hog nose fix that I need to get and my spur of the moment king, king snake fix, which we're completely out of left field, but you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, and then I, when I was at Travis's house, the the first evacuation, that dude has Maclots, Python breeding. Um, wow. We caught them in their first confirmed lockup while I was there, so he was geeked over that. That's awesome. Um, those are really cool. He needs to not try and tempt me with those this this coming season if he produces them. If he is listening, Travis, don't tempt me with your ways. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Always And then, uh, yeah. He also has some olive pythons, which, I mean, I don't have them. I don't have the space and luxury to bring olives in. But anytime I get some in my hand, I'm like, ooh, I can find a way to make them fit. Oh, yeah. And that's dangerous. You can. Very you totally can. I'm sure I could. Damn it, Owen, stop. <laughs> no, hey, if I, hey, if it, it's a two-way street, man. If it's going to go this way, I, I can make it go the other way. I have olive pythons. They're fantastic animals. So oh, yeah. Well, when you Everybody get them to breed and I get some Kribos to breed, we'll, we'll, I'm we'll make working a deal. on that. <laughs> it's like that's 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 the hard part, um, unfortunately. But hey, you got time. My female Kribo is still young. Plenty of excellent. time. I got like a couple more years to try to fiddle with them. So there you go. Bingo. Well, awesome, dude. Um, Sounds like deals are being made. <laughs> exactly. Deals are being made all around and everyone's yeah. getting all set up. Yeah. Um, so I know we're getting ready to wrap up. I, I, I'm looking at my notes that I realize I've been neglecting this whole time. Um, the one thing I will say during evacuation disaster prep, yeah. if you can, uh-huh. take a deep breath and relax. Even for 30 seconds, oh my goodness, the mental clarity you will achieve from just stopping from that panic mode, just taking a deep breath, closing your eyes, it makes everything so much easier. I don't know if anybody gets as easily overwhelmed as I do, but I the reason like I did so well with it is because of all my preparation. But even through it, I was getting to the point where I was like starting tasks and then stopping and moving around because it was like, ah, ah, ah. But I would stop right. and just like close my eyes and just shut up for a minute. And then it all sort of made sense. So if you ever find yourself in that moment, don't ever hit the panic button. Yeah, that's good advice. That's you know, good. It's great advice. Cool, calm, you know. Yeah, and you know, getting getting into the recent you know shift and trying to keep everything positive and community driven, lean on people you have around you, like resources, friends, like going to carpet fest and making friends in your region and finding out who's near you and how much space they have. And you know, that you have friends in this community nearby is going to make a huge difference. Cause then Mm -hmm. you find yourself having to hightail it out of town for some reason, you know, who's around, you don't ever want to be alone in like where you're at. So make some friends, you know, that's a big tip too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay, cool. Well, but I hope yeah, nobody I ever finds themselves in that situation because that sucked, man. 
<laughs> yeah, let's really hope that doesn't happen again, or you know, at least not for a very long time. So yeah, man, yeah, you ain't kidding. No, it's like greatest learning experience would get me wrong, but like, damn it, probably took years off my life. I bet. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, awesome, Riley. This has yeah. been a. Eye-opening and educational, and also somewhat horrifying show. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> we promise that the, that next week we'll come back with like something happy for you guys. I don't know. Diamond because, Python. Yeah. There we go. There go. Everyone loves diamonds. So yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> Very uplifting subject. Yeah. Get away from the June and Bloom and law. Two episodes of just. Oh God. Anyway, um, so it's been yeah. awesome. Thank you for coming on and like talking with us about this. And I know like it was like we said, something weird and odd and stressful and crappy and you know, even then thank you for uh keeping us informed while it was going on. So that was awesome of you to do that. And uh uh hopefully next time we're talking to you it's of good things. Like your yeah. massive colubrid correct collection that is breeding like crazy oh, or something God. like that. I don't know. So the, girl, the girlfriend's home now. Don't say. I that. mean nothing. Uh, nothing. Uh, There's nothing that we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I appreciate it. I I was telling Eric earlier today that uh, I think this is like my fifth or sixth, probably sixth time uh, that you guys have had me on the show, whether it be for like the carpet uh, python roundtable or whatever. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago when I first discovered the show, uh, you know, I started really leaning on the episode as an informational resource among other things. And, uh, it's been, you know, very flattering to be on this show and you guys really do an excellent job, uh, really bringing the community together and sharing a lot of information with this whole push for the positive lately. I was thinking, you know, how can NPR, do more to be positive. Like not to say that you guys don't do it, but then I realized everything about it is positive. You're bringing all these subjects together. It's not just carpets, it's boas. It's, you know, Corrales has been a big topic lately. That's been really cool to just like get in my head and go learn more about. And it's just like, it's a big community driven project. And, um, man, six years running. I I think I said it last time, but you guys are killing it at six years. Um, (laughs) All the initiative that's been driven towards U.S. ARC and the contributions that have been made that way in itself are huge. Um, Bringing people together as a platform, you know, the beginning of every show when you guys have people come on and talk about Carpet Fest, like, that's awesome. So, I mean, kudos to you guys. Thanks for having me on, but you guys are the real stars of this show. And, Owen, don't let all those negative Nancy's on YouTube get you down. Nah, don't worry about that. Uh, I don't worry about that too oh, much, man. but thank you for that. Uh, so, YouTube is brutal, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dear God. <sighs> but uh, you'll survive. I have to. <laughs> yeah. 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 It takes more than that to kill me. Anyway, um, yeah. but <laughs> Riley, <laughs> thanks again and for those yeah, thanks, kind man. words. And uh, thanks for... Uh, coming on and we'll we'll catch up with you a little bit later and uh we'll hope to see you at a carpet fest or a tinley or something or other sometime soon okay 
Yeah, I still have my Tinley jar right here for this year. That's the goal. So we'll see what happens. Good. Hopefully this move to Sacramento is fortuitous and allows me to still pursue that. So I'll keep you guys posted. Please All right, do. Man. All right, we'll talk All to you right. soon. Sounds good, guys. Have a good, have a good one, night, right. and uh, we'll talk soon. Later. All right, man. Bye. All right. So oh, I'm tired, Owen. <laughs> I, tired, I, I know, I know, uh, I know. <laughs> I can, I can tell. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I am exhausted. I'm sleepy. All right, well, <laughs> so end the show. It's like, uh, <laughs> so let's do it. I probably shouldn't have said, I should have said that in a PM. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Just, I don't know. <laughs> it's been a crazy week, but uh, I yeah, and it's only Tuesday, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, we have uh, Dan uh, Vermilia uh, coming on next week, and we're going to be talking Diamond Python. So pretty excited cool. about that. Um, anytime we get somebody that comes on to talk about Diamond Pythons, is okay in my book. Um, oh yeah, so yeah. They're not harder than uh, other carpets. They're just different. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and he also does blackheads and walmas. So maybe we'll talk about that too. But the main focus. Can he, will can be he help me with? Can he help me with my walmas where the male just wants to breed so badly, but the female doesn't give a shit, and uh, like he just spurring her like crazy, like twenty four seven. I mean, we'll ask him about that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, get your questions together, man. This is the perfect opportunity. To, uh, uh, it's one of those shows where I have to do work. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was telling you, and I think Buddy was saying the same thing when we were there at your place, that uh, Woma yeah. eggs are super sensitive. So, And I'm terrified for that because, I mean, like, you know me. I usually just, <laughs> oh, eggs, and then I do the, like, I don't even measure anymore when I mix up the the. Uh, perlite and water and then they get chucked into the incubator and I'll see you guys later and I'm worried that I'm going to get like Woma eggs and then like you know God only knows white lip eggs and like are they going to be more fragile than you know that I mean even some of the colubrid eggs that I get normally with colubrid eggs I just stick them in a bin on a shelf because you don't ever have to incubate corn snake eggs but who knows right. with some of this other stuff? I don't know. It, more research needed. So yes. Okay. So uh, MoreliaPythonRadio.com is our website. Our email is info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com. Um, you can pretty much find everything about us there. So just go check it out, and uh, you'll see everything we have to offer, and uh, point you in the right directions of uh, you know people that can. Uh, help you out when it comes to Morelia. Um, myself, uh, ebmorelia.com is my website and my email uh, for that is eric at ebmorelia.com. I'm going to throw out this Southern Carpet Fest info one more time. It's Saturday, February 10th at 1 p.m. It's uh, being hosted by Dave Palumbo um, and it is in Cape Coral, Florida. Uh, please RSVP on the Facebook page event. Um, you can find it all over the place. Southeast Carpet Fest. 
God, yeah, I said it right. Southeast you did it. No, you're doing it. I'm no, reading, you're fine. Uh, oh, my, my God. Southern Carpet Fest. Damn it. Um, so, yeah, Southeast Carpet Fest. Um, if you're in the area, you should definitely uh, check it out. And just go see all the cool stuff that they have going on with the auctions um, if you can't make it. So mm-hmm. all proceeds go to U.S. ARC. So uh, good stuff. And that's all I got. Cool. Uh, for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Check out all the stuff we got going on over there. Uh, you can also go on facebook.com, look up Rogue Reptiles, give us a like over there. As far as shows go, uh, February 24th, there is the Hamburg Reptile Show. I'll be bumming off of Matt Minotola's table again is what it's looking like. Uh, as far as shows I'm attending, I know this weekend is the Oaks, Pennsylvania Reptile Show. I'll be there for a little bit if you wanted to get any babies and have them delivered. Uh, best drop me a line uh, ASAP. Uh, that's all we have for you guys tonight. So we will say good night. And we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night.